that's fine. Now that is exciting. <laughs> it's wonderful to actually have the baptisms here with the whole church. Uh, in certain places in the world, you can't do that in a big group like this. So the baptisms take place in more private type of places, and it's just so exciting to be here with however many people are here and realize that all of us can watch, all of us can be a part of it. It's just wonderful, wonderful to be here. And uh, thank you for welcoming us. My name is Dan Allison. My wife Mary will be up here in just a little bit, and Stephen and June will share from their lives in just a little bit. Uh, I was baptized 46 years ago this October. That qualifies me to say I'm from the Bronze Age. <laughs> However, I have known Tom Brown for a long time, and he was baptized two years before me, so he's part of the Stone Age. Actually, it was 1969. Maybe it was the Stoned Age. I'm, I'm not, not really sure which, which one it is, but... It gives you a lot of perspective to realize. I was baptized when I was 18 years old. So 46 years has passed in my life. You can see so many different eras in your life. Our children, we have seven grandchildren now. You see all these different stages in your life. And it's so great to be able to, to know that I've got Jesus with me through all of those stages and God has worked powerfully in our lives. And. Uh, I'm going to make sure I see if this thing works. Okay, what are we seeing up there? Okay, God's global agenda. We're going to talk a little bit about this today because as you guys are, are so aware here in Atlanta uh, in all the things that you do in Africa and South America and Europe and all over the world, God is not a local God. So much around the world, religions is very local, and that's all you think about. But God is interested in all of the countries, all of the people, everywhere. And it's, it's so exciting when you can visit overseas. And we've had the privilege of being able to live overseas and, and to learn new cultures, to see that God works no matter what the culture is. And you might have different ways of doing things. And Stephen and June are going to see nine different churches in the next month. And, and to see the different things that we do in the different churches and kind of just welcoming, welcoming them to the churches here in America. What a wonderful thing. And in China, we do things just a little bit different, but it's all the same Jesus, right? And it's all the same thing. I want to look at a couple passages here that have been so meaningful to me. And the first one in Psalm 22, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. You know, I went through one time through the whole Old Testament to see how God relates to the non-Jewish world. Because sometimes we think, okay, God loved the Jews, but he wanted to just kill off everybody else. But it, that's, that's not at all. In fact, you read through the Old Testament, and the Jews most of the time, we're really bad guys. I mean, you all these heroes in the Bible, they've got so many flaws. You go, now, God, why did you pick that guy? I mean, he was a really bad guy. Thankfully, he picked us too, right? And we're really bad guys. But God is interested in people all over the world, not just here in Atlanta, not just in your community, not just in your family, but God's view is global. And so I will show my greatness and my holiness, and I will make myself known in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. This is God's heart. God wants the whole world to know who he is. Thankfully, my wife and I have, for some reason, God has allowed us to be in many different places. 30 years ago, we moved to uh, Bombay, India. Now it's called Mumbai. We helped plant the church there in, in Mumbai in 1986. Our children were three, five, and seven years old. And we took them to a place where we nearly got killed every single day. I mean, it was the hardest, difficult, dirty, poor place you could possibly imagine. And it absolutely changed our lives. Totally changed our lives. You can't go into that kind of an experience and not be completely changed. We came back to the United States uh, for another 15 years. 
And then God said, when we were in our 50s, our early 50s, he says, okay, it's time for you to go out again. We spent five years in Afghanistan and Pakistan, three years in Dubai, uh, working there and helping the church there, not in the ministry, but just working there and being there. And I asked my friends, is there any place anybody else wants us to go? And so some of our friends in South Florida, they said, yeah, we need somebody to go lead the church in Santiago, Chile. And I said, that'd be great. But guys, I don't speak Spanish. I, 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 I'm horrible with languages. You think, okay, I've traveled all over the world. You'd think you'd know how to speak foreign languages. Well, I don't. And I'm not good at it at all. And so for two and a half years, we led the church in Santiago, Chile. Every single lesson, every leadership meeting, it was all translated. And I, I've, I've, here's some advice. If you have one of your ministers that's really, really prideful and that wants a, a leader that wants to control everything and, okay, you've got to do it in just uh, every single detail they're trying to control. Maybe you've met some people like that before. I don't know if you have. Well, here's the advice. Take that person and send him off to a foreign country to lead that church in a place where he doesn't know the language. You get humbled really quick. You can't control everything. It was a fun experience. To God be the glory. And then we said, okay, let me give us to my, here, you're giving me some money to lead this church. We found somebody else to give that money to that spoke Spanish. And it was, a, it was a great experience. We came back to the United States and then God said, oh, no, no, I'm not done. We want you to move to China. And, you know, I'm 64 years old. Okay, let's do another country. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's amazing the way God looks at things. And God has used this last 13 months that we've been there. Uh, we're retired. Uh, our Social Security allows us to live over there. Try to live on your Social Security here in the United States. Move to China. You can do it over there. <laughs> we live right in the middle of Guangzhou, China. It's a, it's a city of 20 million people. We live right in the center, right where it's like right in the middle of Manhattan. And we live in a, a high rise on the 24th floor. It actually happens to be the penthouse. Doesn't mean it's expensive, but it's really cool. And the view from my balcony is like this. And let me see if I can do the pointer. This building right here is where we meet for church. It's like a five minute walk from our apartment. And so, I mean, we're right in the middle of everything. We don't have to have a car. We walk, we ride the metro. It's just absolutely wonderful. This is a picture of downtown Guangzhou. Both of those uh, big buildings are over 100 stories tall. There's just so many people. It's thriving. It's really, really incredible. One of the things we, that Mary and I do in Guangzhou is we, help, we helped start a, uh, a kindergarten in English. And everybody wants to learn English over there. And so we started this uh, kindergarten, and uh, we had a summer camp. This is last summer. Uh, this is Mary right here. This is our daughter, Kay Hoyt, right here. And uh, so we've been helping out with that, and many non-Christian families are bringing their children to this, and it's uh, completely Bible-based Bible teaching. But it's a wonderful thing, and it's, it's just a reason to be there, something to do, ways to meet more people. But I want to introduce to you Stephen and June. Stephen, why don't you go ahead and start coming up here. And uh, they're, they're just a wonderful, wonderful friends for Mary and me. Many of the uh, disciples in Guangzhou, there's about 170 uh, disciples there. Uh, many of the people don't speak English, but maybe 20% or so speak English. In that 170 people, we're the only foreigners in the church. And every message has to be translated for us. And so it's just a really wonderful kind of a thing to have friends like Stephen and June. And we want uh, them to share a little bit about their life. Amen. Hello, brother and sisters. I can feel your warm welcome, your love, and your fire come from the Holy Spirit. This is our first time be in the United States. 
And amazing is also the first time we share our life in English. But I just can speak a little. It's also called Chinglish. <laughs> if you cannot understand what I'm talking about, I cannot help you. Okay. First, let's see a video greeting from our church. I want to invite my wife to share about her life. She's speaking Chinese. <laughs> she said, uh, We are all moved by this time. You saw many faces. 你們是我們中國很多人的一些教會的榜樣。We're proud of you and all here you are our samples in China. 特別是看到青少年的受洗。This morning we see the teenagers got baptized. 因為我有個女兒坐在中間。Because we also have our daughter who's been in teenagers. May Lord our God will bless you and also bless our churches. Should we speak in English? Try. Good morning, brothers and sisters. My English name is Jun. I was baptized 24 years ago. In John 12 verse 24. And we read, but I read Chinese. <laughs> 我实实在在地告诉你们, 一粒麦子不落在地里死了，仍旧是一粒。若是死了，就结出许多子粒来。若是死了就结出许多子粒来若是死了就结出许多子粒来若是死了就结出许多子粒来 In 1991, a dozen brothers and sisters from Hong Kong came to Guangzhou with a color of faith. They were willing to follow the law, willingly drop a comfortable life to go to a poor and a dangerous city to evangelize. I was baptized with their help and I became the first single sister in Chinese Church of ICOC. In my 24 years as a disciple, I have experienced many ch challenges. Because of being a Christian, 
I was rejected my, by my co-workers. I refused to take breaks, go to karaoke, drink alcohol with the kinds, but involved uh, in the co-workers of seeing jokes and other sinful behaviors. I become a freak in their eyes, suffer their dreams, even suffer difficulties, created by boss and was unfeeling food. I was in pain at that time. I cried on the way home because I didn't want to burden my mother when I arrived. Stephen and I had been married for two years at this time. Our doctor was born within those two years and we argued a lot. I experienced I experienced the deep frustration in parenting and even thought about a divorce and a suicide. But a color of faith encouraged me to learn and grow in the perseverance and produce character. Five years ago, when my doctor was 10 years old, I started working full-time in the church. I helped many people who had the similar experience. More than 10 have been baptized, and most of their marriage. Stephen and I have changed the line couples how to face conflicts their marriages, building successful intimacy. I'm small, color of faith. In God's great calling and plan, but I think and understood that God wants me to experience and go through many hardships, to mature and help many more people. Please pray for our brother and the sisters in Guangzhou to continue to have a call of faith and pray that more fruit will be given by God's blessing. Thank you. Welcome to Amazing China. Um, how I became a Christian is about uh, 20 years ago, 21 years ago in 1996. It was my first encounter with a Christian called brother called uh, Roberto. He was sharing faith at the station and we met at the station. And he approached me and asked, Hello, where can I get to Beijing Road? At that moment I listened and I thought that he was just asking a silly question. Silly question. Because his essence shows he's a local people. And he even did not know the famous road in Guangzhou just four miles away. So I'm nervous, and I think, I thought, he must be a thief or liar or something. So I feel very nervous because uh, my sisters has the um, same sad experience by such kind of things, who stealing his money and talk to her and drug her. So I, I thought this guy might trying to drug me. So. Uh, at that moment, I find a strategy. I answer him, but I cannot breathe when I face to him. So 
Many times I need to turn around my head and take a deep breath and stop my breath and talk to him. So I, I answer, I'm gonna I take a deep breath. And you can take a bath. Oh. And three stops and get out. I almost die at the moment. Yes. That's my uh, our first talking each other. But thanks God, uh, we keep moving, we talk each other, and, and after long conversations, he dispelled my suspicions. And we knew each other, and I started to study Bible with him. And three years later, I was baptized. Hallelujah. In Bible, it's killed. 36 version 26 I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh how fresh a spirit that I can taste there was a painful memory in my teenager years even now it also drags many old emotions when I mention it. When I'm a teenager, I, was a, I have a big fight with my father and disown him. And after that, I did not talk with my father anymore. It lasts half a year. I did not speak to my father even. He begged me for say one sentence but I reject him at that time my heart is became stone and overflowing bitterness but once I became a Christian I love my father again and we talk each other again we can talk and our relationship are stored. Three years later, when my father um, he got a terminal cancer and before he died, I told my father very closely, face to face, before his sick bed, I told him, Father, I love you. I do love your father. And then he gone. I know what fresh spirit tastes like. It's warm. It's sweet. And it's full of healing. And a disciple life is also a spiritual journey with God. My 20 years, 21 years as a Christian life has not been smooth. But a worthy, memorable experience, I thought. In 2003, the difficulties of our churches is also hard for my family. And moreover, an additional difficulty in uh, 2009 in our churches Cause many people, many disciple groups, gone away, and many staff serve. Uh, many staff who serve in the church also gone away. That is very difficult for all of us. I work in Roberto's company in 2009, the same year. After lasting two years of struggle, I felt a strong calling from God to serve the church full time. And from the beginning of the calling, I cannot sleep. I lost my sleep 
for six months until I prayer in my answer. I said, I pray to the Lord. Yes, Lord, I will take the job. Let me sleep. <laughs> so on September 2nd in 2011, that was my spiritual birthday, and we celebrated with my best friend, Roberto. Remember that guy? Roberto. He's also my boss at that time. We celebrated together, and I told him, I will quit the job. And we will serve the church with full time. He was shocked at that moment and said to me, Are you serious? Yes. I'm not joking. I really received a calling from God. So he was, um, from then on, he was bargaining with me many times to continue to work in the company. And he also offered me um, a double of my current salary and a brand new car. This is what he persuades me to stay in the company. So the offer is very attractive. So attractive. So I need to pray. <laughs> I pray, Lord, what if I work in the company? and serve you, serve the church, on weekend. <laughs> At that moment in my prayer, there's a, a scripture came to my heart very clearly in Psalm 84, verse 10. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than live in the tents of wickedness. Oh! <laughs> wickedness? Brothers and sisters here, keep secret. Because my best friend is not a weakness. But it is hard to tell him this is what I excuse. Even hard to tell him, hey, buddy, I want to be a dog keeper. It's better to work for you. <laughs> it's so hard to say this. So, in, re in regard to his uh, so fantastic offers, I just reject it. You bug me, I reject it. You bug me, I reject it. Amen. From then on, I became an evangelist for the last five years. And now, when we land on Atlanta Airport, God has taken me to United States Day for a new journey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now I uh, want to share to you uh, four slides about China mainland church growth. One is in In 1987, the PPT is 1997, actually it's 1987, God and Lin Green uh, led a group of Boston disciples to Hong Kong and started a mainland mission. Now, three years later, we the greater China region has uh, more than 3,700 disciples, 2,000 in Hong Kong, and, and more than 1,200 in mainland China, and uh, 500 in Taiwan. Last year, Scott was diagnosed with uh, brain cancer. So please pray for his recovery so that he can attend the 30th anniversary in Hong Kong this November. In 1991, Hong Kong planned the first mainland China mission team in Guangzhou. That is my mother church. From then on, we have grown continuously for 26 years and to more than 1,200 disciples and 19 churches. Most of the influential cities in China have our churches. The four pillar churches at 
Guangzhou, China, Beijing, and Chengdu. And the China church, uh, Guangzhou church is the most biggest one in mainland China, which has 170 disciples and uh, about 70 kids in our church. The China churches are full of young and dynamic campers and single disciples. In 2013, uh, we host a China uh, single conference in one city and 300 single disciples attended. It is wonderful to be here to share our life and God do a big things in our, uh, our mainland China. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I don't have any funny stories like he's got, but uh, it's uh, really wonderful to have uh, Stephen and June be able to do this. This is the very first time that June has ever spoken English in front of other people. So. I'm so proud of you guys. Thank you for being our friends and being our partners in the gospel. And we love you so much. And uh, uh, Joyce, their daughter, who's 15 right here, is going to swamp, uh, swamp camp this week. And, uh, so. and we just have just a couple more minutes. We want to share a couple things. Uh, uh, all of this about China is really wonderful. And you would think about all the things that are happening in other countries and how we can help in other countries. But in the end... We have to think about what about our lives right here in Atlanta, in the lives that you have to live right now. What does it all mean? And I'd like for uh, Mary to share a little bit about uh, our life, the life that we've had. Uh, we've lived in a lot of different countries, done a lot of wild and crazy things. And one of the questions people ask me is that, well, listen, Dan, we know you're crazy, but what does Mary think about all of this? <laughs> so let me let her go ahead and say her piece here right now. Good morning to all of you, my friends, my family, my precious brothers and sisters. You know that this morning is just a glimpse of heaven for me. I got to see Sabrina, who Dan and I met before she ever became a Christian, in Dubai. She's off in the King Kingdom Kids right now. We get, I get to see the beautiful woman who was my maid of honor in my wedding. They came here to join with us today, Jeff and Lynn Scroggin. I get to be with my family, my son-in-law, my grandchildren, my son Thomas and his beautiful family. It's, it's amazing to me. I could go on and on. But in this three minutes, I want to sort of answer that question, how, why, how could you do such a thing? I'm old now. I'm 63. I've had health challenges. How do I do this? How can I go from country to country and, and pick up stakes and just do all these crazy things? But there's a great scripture that we're, we've been given. Um, Psalm 16, verses 5 and 6. It's up there. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places, and surely I have a delightful inheritance. We were promised this in Isaiah 6 when he said that there would be a holy seed and a new branch, and in Romans 11 where there's a wild olive shoot. That gets to be us, and that's why that promise is for us. So, I strongly pursue three perspectives in my life. To be unencumbered, to be in love, and to be in touch. First, to be unencumbered, I needed to realize that whether I lived in a house of 10 people in Afghanistan, or in a big house in Port St. Lucie, Florida, that 
we have the tendency to accumulate things. And we can get kind of weighed down by them. But over these years, I've learned to love to give things away because we know that it's more blessed to give than receive. And it's awfully rewarding when things get used by people that need them. From my wedding dress that was used three times to, like Dan mentioned, giving our salary to a couple far more qualified in Santiago, Chile, and we were able to leave and, and feel great about it and go do something else. It feels good to not be encumbered. And secondly, to be in love. Of course, in our marriage and our family, they're precious to us. We would die for them and we love being around them. And I treasure every picture that's sent and every phone call and every text message. We use WeChat in China, so it's really cool. You can call or talk or send pictures or send messages. And, and those are precious. But with the perspective that I get to be in love with all of the people that God puts in my life, my family has grown. And I have family from Dubai and Chile and Afghanistan and, and Port St. Lucie, Florida, and now in China. I never would even know Stephen and June and Joyce and Chester and Jumbo. And I could go on and on with so many names of people that I've fallen in love with, but I would never know them if I wasn't willing to take those steps and move to other places. And thirdly, I need to be in tune. I need to be in tune with God, and that's my responsibility. And it doesn't matter where I live, that's still my responsibility. And um, Stephen spent the last six weeks talking about the letter of James in, in the church in China. I have to listen to it through translation, and so it's harder. It's harder for me to to think about it, to make connections, to figure out what God wants me to do with it. And yet it's still my responsibility. And just this last Sunday, there were pieces of a puzzle that fit together in my mind and heart. I um, had been struggling with some a trial, a temptation, and he said, you know, these things build character, and yes, we all know that, and yes, we live through it, but he said, we need to concentrate on God instead of the trial or temptation. That sounds so simple, but I went all the way to mainland China to hear it, and it made so many things in my life that, were, that I was struggling with make sense, make perfect sense, that I didn't have to just live in the middle of that temptation anymore. And so I pray that you will strive with me to really be useful to God in these three ways. Thank you. So any rumors that I actually tied up my wife and took her to Afghanistan, those are all false. They're, they're not true, not at all. It really is wonderful to be able to to have a life where we can meet so many new people and that God has just put these people into our life and we keep up with them uh, all over the world and it's you, you got to treasure your friendships and even though we've moved away from so many places we moved to places but then you have to move away but we didn't lose the friendships you're building friendships right now and over here for you guys you've got friendships in high school friendships in college well, my son and many of the others that are in their late 30s and 40s, they all went to college together, and they're still best friends. People that I've known for 40 years are still my best friends. And so treasure those relationships. You will move away. You will go somewhere where else. But don't lose those relationships. And go to a new place and build new ones that are just as strong, that give you something else and that you can give them something else. Let God use you in many people, other, other people's lives. 
And uh, that whole idea of being useful is, is really a theme in Mary's in my life. Uh, Mary had cancer uh, two years ago in her right eye. Uh, I didn't even know that uh, you could have melanoma inside your eyeball. But she had melanoma about the size of the end of your thumb inside of her right eye. And so it looks like she has two eyes, but she only has one eye. You can just go tap on the one. You can, you, if you want to try, you know, check it out if it's true or not. It, she won't even blink, you know. Don't do that. Don't do that. And it's really sobering when you, you, you go and you get, you know, this surgery. They took her eye out, and we had a, another one, not another real eye. It's gone. But a fake eye put in there and just for cosmetics and this kind of a thing. And so it makes you sober. And so sometimes you might think, okay, now the, 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 the signal light has come on. I need to go ahead and park somewhere and just hang on. Let's, let's see how long I've got before I die. And, you know, you don't even really know exactly what God wants, but we wanted to stay useful to God. And so even though that happened, we moved back to the United States because we gave our job away and we were unemployed. And so we moved back to the United States and God says, no, 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 I'm not done. I'm not done with you. Don't ever let anybody tell you that God is done with you. God has more things for you. He wants you to do something with your life and be useful. I mean, this passage is so great. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the common use, the latter, will be instruments for special purposes. That's the disciples. Instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Let that be the mantra of your life. God, I just want to be useful. I don't have to be the king. I don't have to be the star. I don't have to ever be up on a podium like this and do this. Let me be the doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Let me be the one who just helps. Let me dream about doing something with my life. You know, people say, oh, you know, Dan, Mary, you've been to so play. What's the, the most, what's the best place that you've ever lived? What, what's your favorite place? And Mary and I always have the same answer. The place that we're at right now is the best place. I mean, every place you could possibly go has horrible things about it and some really great places things about it. Every place you go, there's difficulties and there's things that are wonderful. And sometimes you, you just, you, you, you get all worried about, oh, I don't want to make any changes, I don't want to do anything different. You need to enjoy what's going on right now and be useful to God. God wants to use you. And I thought about three different things that have really impacted my life as we have gone on this journey for the last 46 years. Uh, Mary was baptized about a year after I was. And the first one is that you need to be willing to find God's will for your life. You need to have that. You need to be looking for that. What do you want to do with me in this world? And you think, no, no, no. God is going to use Tom Brown. God is going to use Jeff Hickman. God's going to use these people that are up here. No, no, no. What is God going to do with you? And are you willingly looking for ways that God can use your particular talents at the place where you're at right now? And a year from now, you shouldn't be at that place anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to change. You've got to grow. God's got to do something new with your life next year than he's doing this year. You know, it's funny. We've been around the church a long time, and many of you have been baptized for 20, 30 years. Uh, maybe you're, you were here in Atlanta when you got baptized, and you've been in this church for 20 or 30 years. You might even be in the same Bible talk that you've been in for 20 years. You've got the same friends that you've had for 20 years. You've seen, you've listened to so many sermons, so many midweeks, so many special events at Easter. I mean, just let me keep making a list here, right? You can allow yourself to just simply get bored with Christianity. And you're not looking to grow, to change. Let me make something 
out of my life. Let me do something with my life. You don't have to go to Afghanistan, Santiago, Chile, Dubai, the Middle East, or China. You don't have to go there to be useful to God. You have got to find the way that God can use you differently this week than he did three months ago. You've got to look for that. If you're not willing to look for that, you will keep doing the same thing every week, every month, every year, and you are bored. Is that what God wants out of you? Then the burden is on you. We wait for the leadership of the church to come up with a new plan. Nobody has come up with the plan for Dan and Mary's life. Really, I mean, we're kind of renegades, you know. We, no, we're leaving. See you later. I, I mean, we realized... And, and the church has grown in, in the last you know, couple decades. The church has grown and changed. But I realized that I'm answerable to God. And I want to grow. I, I want to do something. And we had lived in India, and then we came back to the United States. It's kind of like, well, you know, God, are, are you done with us? And you kind of could, well, okay, I had my hurrah. We were in India. We helped plant the church, the first church in, in India from our movement. Are you done with me? And... And what a smile to our face when we realize, well, God, you're not done with it. I'm, I'm past 50 years old, and he's, he's just taking us out on this grand adventure. Go to Afghanistan. Who would, you don't come up with that in your own mind. <laughs> hey, Mary, you want to go to Afghanistan? Yeah, this is great. It'll be a lot of fun. But we were willing to entertain the ridiculous. Are you willing to entertain ridiculous ideas? Ridiculous idea. They don't make any sense. But you are uniquely prepared to be the one to do it. And you, you have to let God do it. Now the second point goes along with this. Is you, you, you see this opportunity. Are you willing to go through the open door? Now here's the way it happens. You know, God, please use me. God, please use me. Please give me a dream. And so some idea comes up and you, no, that, the door didn't open. It's locked. You check the doorknob. No, it's locked. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. You come up with ideas. All of a sudden, you hit the doorknob and the door opens. And you know what we say a lot of times? Okay, now, now it's open, but maybe there's something better than that. Maybe there's, a, there's another. I know it's open. Yeah, it's open. But, you know, is that really what God wants me to do? You know, I don't know. Maybe it's not. Come on. If the door's open, walk through. If it's not the right thing, God will take you to a different door. I mean, you'll make mistakes. You'll, you'll make stupid decisions. But move. Don't stand still as a Christian. And I think, you know, probably for many of us, you know, you look at your life, okay, what, if, what has my Christianity been like for the last five years? Are you standing still? It's, you've done the same thing. You're bored. So walk through that door. Go through it. Let yourself go. That is what God wants. But, you, you know, you, you, you're willing. You, you want to go through that door. You see it. It's open. You're willing to go through that. But are you actually available? to do that you know sometimes you you got all these great ideas but you're so much in debt you can't do it you got so many encumbrances in your life you can't do it you, you, you got so many things going on and you, you know you're, you're clinging on to the past you're clinging on to old habits you're you're too busy to do something new because you got all these old things that you're doing so you're not actually available to be used even though God gave you an open door. We come up with excuses why we can't go through it. I'm just not available, God. I, you know, maybe next year. Don't let yourself live on maybe next year. It, you know, just pack up and go. But I'm not even talking about another country. How many of you have had incredibly cool ideas of how you could help the poor, who you could reach out to, how you can just do something a little bit different than what has been done? And, and you sit on it and you talk to your wife, your husband about it, you talk to your friends, you know, wouldn't this be cool, you know? And then you just sit there. And you don't do anything about it. Uh, go ahead and do something. Tom, I'm sorry to really say this. Get yourself in trouble with the leadership sometime. 
just, just go ahead. Try to be crazy. Do something crazy. You can blame it on Dan. You know, you say, well, Dan told me that we were supposed to do be crazy things. It's, you know, sorry, ministry staff, you know, you're getting in trouble here. What I really want you to understand is that God wants to use you. God wants your life to count. He brought you here. You're in this church. You got baptized. If you're visiting, God brought you here. You saw two baptisms today. God wants you in that water. And God has incredible plans for your life if you're not a Christian yet. God wants to use you. But even if you've been a Christian for 40 years, use that life that God has given to you. You know, I'm just so grateful that God has worked in our life. God has, has, has done many great things. I'm so grateful to be in China, to have wonderful friends. Uh, wasn't it great when uh, uh, Chester was doing this? He goes, hey, we, we, are, we love you. We, go, we are family. We are family. Okay, I've got something that I want to do. Okay, I want everybody to stand up. Stand up right now. Okay, this is for the Guangzhou Church. I'm going to take this back, and I want you to say, I'll say, we are family. We are We are Okay, but did you see what those guys did on the video? They went, family! Okay, try it again. We are family! Oh, yes! Yes! Even Americans can get all excited. Isn't that great? Okay, so I'm going to click video here, and we'll do this three times, all right? We are family, we are family. I'm going to go around like this. All right, are you ready? Okay, we love you, every, Guangzhou, because we are. We are. We are. Amen.